Oh man, I've been waiting to get this tattoo for a long time. This is gonna be a great decision, and I can't wait to show my friends and family. Whoa, 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 whoa. wait up, dude, wait up. Wait, are you, are you me? Yes, but from the future. I'm here to warn you about your tattoo there. So what, and I get this tattoo? I've been wanting this tattoo. Yeah, but you might wanna spell check it. Wow, dude, you're right. I would have regretted that, or regretted that. Hey, I'm just here to help you make better decisions for fewer regrets later. Well, hello, everybody. So good to see you. I'm really, really, really excited about what we're about to do. This has been planned for a long time. It's very strategic. In fact, the story behind this series is Pastor Cindy came to me months ago and said, I have a great idea for the women's Bible study. And she goes, as I was putting it together and praying for it, I felt like the Lord might've said, this is for all of us. And so she shared this idea and I'm like, man, what you don't know is what we're planning on doing in January. And this would be the perfect follow-up to a series we're gonna do called Mind Games. And so rather than just do it for women's ministry or Bible study, we're gonna, as an entire church, walk through a five-week series together. And this is the kind, we kind of usually do this once a year. This is our all-in. And what I mean by all-in is um, we are preaching from a book uh, that was written by Pastor Andy Stanley at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and we are, as a, a church, we're encouraging everybody to get the book. Um, I will tell you, if you go online and get this online at Amazon, it's gonna be 17 to $21. We ordered about 300 copies. You can get them for $10 at our Connect desk if you wanna get them in person while supplies last. Um, but if we run out, there is a QR code, but we would love for all of you to get this book. Um, if you're in any small group of any kind, you are going to be discussing the content of these for the first five weeks. It's a five-week series. We're all gonna be doing this together because I believe that this is gonna be some tools to really, really help us experience the change that we're looking for in our lives. I don't know anybody who doesn't wanna make better decisions, and I don't know anybody who doesn't wanna experience fewer regrets. And so this series is called better decisions and fewer regrets. And so um, I would encourage you to get the book. If you're online, you can uh, uh, get it uh, on Amazon or whatever. And um, also if you want the, 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 the discussion questions or my sermon notes, those are all on the app as well. And so um, again, I can't think of a better part two to our mind game series. And we've been talking about that our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Well, now our thoughts are gonna help us make decisions and we're gonna give some practical tools about how to really move our life in the right direction. I'll remind you that about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I stood on this stage the very first weekend in January and I said, I believe this will be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. And the word that God has given for us this year as a church is the word grow. And we're already seeing so much growth and I believe this is more of a part of that. And so all of this totally lines up with where we feel like the spirit is leading us. And so um, we're excited to take this journey. So with that said, I'll ask an easy question that I think I probably know the answer to. And it's the same for all of us, but it's this. Have you ever made a decision you regretted? This week, <laughs> right? Like, how about a decision you wish you could unmake? Like most of us probably don't have to go past like the last five to seven days or even the last five to seven hours, but we all have tons of decisions that we would undo, unmake. Um, I mean, I have so many of them. I mean, from just the way I've responded to my wife or daughter this week to when I asked that question, I think of the time that we got in my car. I was the only friend at the time that was 16 years old. We drove to a bigger city, 30 miles away. And about five miles into the drive, I realized that two of my friends had bought, brought paintball guns and their plan was to paintball the town 
while we drove around. And rather than be like, no guys, we're not gonna do that. I wanted them to like me. How bad can it be? And so we went to eat and then we painted the town. It led to us running from the police, driving on a gravel road, hitting some coyotes, going off the road. It was not one of the better decisions that I ever made. Now I will tell you, I had the opportunity to do it again in about three weeks later. And I said a hard no and the police did catch them that time. And so I learned, but it was not one of my better decisions. uh, And it definitely led to some regrets. And so here's what I want to say about this right up front, five-week series. I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart. I I really genuinely care about you. I love my church. I love my people. I feel a a certain responsibility to you. And so I want so bad for you to make good decisions. I so bad want you to uh, have fewer regrets. And so I want to give you some tools. And here's kind of the big idea for this whole series. This whole idea is, is the connection between good questions and good decisions. In fact, I would say it this way, that good questions set us up for good decisions. The more we can ask good questions, the better chance we have of making good decisions. Because often, I don't know if you've thought about this, the decisions that we make are actually no better than the questions we ask or no better than the questions we don't know to ask. Uh, And so um, that's what we're going to talk about. And so here's what this series is. Um, You're probably wondering, what are all these doors? We're going to ask, there's five questions. I want to give you some tools. There's five questions that I believe if we will ask every time we make a decision of any significance, it's going to lead us to some good decisions. And the, the whole point of this and the commitment here is it's not just you pick one. You actually ask these five questions in order. And I really believe it's going to help you make uh, good decisions of any significance of magnet- or magnitude, whether it be financial, whether it be relational, whether it be academic, whether it be professional, whether it be spiritual, whether it be physical. I, I will tell you that if you will ask these five questions, um, you're going to find yourself probably deciding yourself into a better future as these questions are hopefully going to lead to better decisions. And so, but here's what you have to do. The only way this works is if you will ask the question, then answer honestly, and then act upon it. This is the key right here. This is your homework. This is, this is what you have to do. Uh, I say often we want to be fanatically practical. We want to give you tools. Uh, This is not just for inspiration. We want to encounter the presence of God, but we want marching orders. And so our goal every week is to ask the question, answer honestly, and act. And if you do that, I believe you will make better decisions. I believe you will experience fewer regrets because here's kind of the big big idea with the connection of the questions and and the decisions is this, is that you and I, all of us, this is true for all of us, that you write the story of your life. You hold the pen to the story of your life and you're actually writing that story one question or one decision at a time. You're writing your own life story. You're penning it out one decision at a time. Uh, And so you are where you are right now. Think about it because of the decisions that you have made. And so that's where we want to go with this. And so why, and, and another reason that this really matters is that you are actually not the only person that's impacted by your decisions. Some of you, you don't have to think very hard to think about how you are very much, your life has been very much impacted by decisions other people have made. And so our decisions, even as private as they may seem, always have public outcomes and always affect other people. And so um, here's why I love this, because you may be a couple of decisions away from changing the trajectory of your life. You may be one major decision or one major question that leads to a major decision away from a very different outcome from impacting your life and generations. And again, this isn't just a concept to me. This has been something that we've kind of been applying in our family, but it's actually real, it's real to my story. I've given you parts of my story before, and both of my parents have talked at different times in my time here. But as you know, my parents were hippies in the 70s and 80s. 
My dad was in prison when he was an eight, 18 years old for dealing drugs, running drugs. They were partying like it was 1979. Um, they were going hard in the paint. Their lives were headed in one very specific direction. In fact, um, for me to be born into that family, most likely I was gonna be a, a drug dealing kid or I would have been in foster care. That should have been the trajectory and that's where the, the data says that our, we would have went. However, right before I was born, my mom made one gigantic decision, which was to leave that lifestyle, make Jesus the Lord of her life, follow Jesus with everything. And instead of growing up in drugs and alcohol, I grew up with small groups, worship nights and Bible studies. I'm two years old and my dad has a, a miniature version of him who wants to be like him. And he realizes he doesn't want me to be like he is. And so he gives his life to Jesus, Bible studies, worship nights, and, and, and the small groups. And so one decision has now changed three generations of lives. It affected my parents, their lifestyle, new friends, different friends, the quality of life. They've been married 40 some years, too many to count now. They're still in love. It's awesome and gross all at the same time. It's affected me, my brother and sister, who all are following Jesus and all have children who are all following Jesus and we're teaching about Jesus and teaching them how to pray. Three generations of people impacted by one decision. Now, I would say that's the biggest and most important decision you'll ever make is what are you gonna do about God? What are you gonna do about Jesus? But it's not the only big one, important one. There's, there's professional ones, financial ones, relational ones. And so um, I, I believe that for some of you, there's so much hope that, that if, even if you don't like the season or chapter, you could be one decision away from a much better season or chapter because your decisions literally write the story of your life. So as I say, if you don't like your current story or you may not like the chapter you're in or the current direction, maybe you have the opportunity to make a couple decisions to move a, your life in a different trajectory. So um, this was made very real to me um, early on in my leadership years, in my early 20s, when I went to work at the church where I served for almost 16 years, um, my pastor at the time, his name was Pastor Gary, not Pastor Hooker. He was our associate pastor. He kind of pastored me, but, the, but, but my pastor was an incredible man. He was a mentor to me, Gary. He had what I would call what I thought in my early 20s at the time was a terrible habit. He had a really, really bad habit. Um, and because he was this incredible man of God, his family was amazing. He had his finances in order. He loved Jesus. He was a great leader. He had so much wisdom and I would come to him and his bad habit is he would never tell me what to do. I'm 20, early 20s, and I'm like, I need, I just want the wisdom and the godliness. And he would never, ever tell me what to do. When, we, when I would come to him, he had this really bad habit, or so I thought, of rather than telling me what to do, of asking me all kinds of questions. Always, all the questions. And he would ask great questions, like, well, what do you feel like God is leading you to do? In light of your current situation, what do you think the wise thing to do is? Uh, are there any potential dangers? What are the potential outcomes? Um, if, 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 you were, uh, if you were in my seat and I was in your seat, how would you advise yourself? I'm like, I hate all these questions. And they're brilliant and amazing. And now I know what he was doing. And I was like, ah, why all the questions? But here's what I learned. And here's a gift that I was given that I didn't know I was given at the time. My pastor, my mentor in my 20s and 30s was more interested in teaching me how to make decisions than he was in making decisions for me. If you're a parent, I just gave you million dollar parenting advice. I'm not kidding. We've been doing this with our daughter since she was two or three years old. We've been letting her make decisions and letting her know the potential outcomes of these decisions and going, whatever you choose, here's the outcomes and you just get to pick what the ramifications of your decisions is. We've been doing it since she was three years old. Blake's almost one, we'll be doing it with him when he's old enough to talk and stop just going, ooh, ah, ah, you know? Um, but this was, this was amazing for me. He was more interested in teaching me how to make decisions because here's what happened. 
by choosing questions for me over telling me what to do, he connected two dots for me that I don't know that I ever would have connected. And it's the connection I told you we're gonna talk about. It's the connection between good questions and good decisions. And what he knew in his life, in his 30s, 40s, and I'm a young guy, is that he knew that good questions lead to good decisions. In fact, good questions almost always lead to better decisions. And he was not wanting to tell me what to do. He wanted to help me. And not only do good questions lead to better decisions, but you know what good decisions lead to? Fewer regrets. I'm not even gonna insult your intelligence by asking who wants to make better decisions and who wants to have fewer regrets because the answer is all of us want that. And if not, you're just trying to be funny and get on camera or whatever. So um, here's the challenge with this. Here's, the, here's kind of the rub with this is, this does take a little bit of intentionality and some time to pause and ask questions. And that's where there's some tension because pausing to ponder is neither intuitive nor is it scheduled. Like, I don't know anybody who is like, I have thinking time in my calendar. I think I have ponder time in my schedule. Um, and here's where it gets even harder. We almost always don't want unwelcomed questions, right? Like we don't want somebody else to question it. Uh, it can feel like a personal attack. We feel like if somebody's asking us unwelcome questions, it's not that they're helping us make better decisions. They're actually attacking us, which is rarely true, but it's how we feel. And what happens is then, with a little counseling language, our defenses go up. And what happens when your defenses go up? Guess what? Your aptitude for learning goes all the way down. And so we have to, in our hearts, go, I want to welcome good questions. I um, mean, it's interesting because even with our personal decisions, we can think, well, that's nobody's business. But what is done in private eventually and inevitably becomes public at some point. So all of our even most private decisions will affect someone somewhere along the way. And by the way, everything I'm saying to you, great counselors have mastered this, right? Great counselor, a great counselor will never tell you what to do. What will they do? Ask you great questions. It's like they sprinkle these breadcrumbs these breadcrumbs around and they ask you these questions and they follow this trail because here's what they know and here's what my pastor know is they know that I have way more of a chance to follow through with the decision I made than advice you gave me. If I give you advice, you're like, well, pastor said, but if you feel like you made the decision on your own and you owned it, you're like, here's what I decided in counseling. Well, what happened was your really good counselor sprinkled these breadcrumbs and led you right where they wanted you to go. And that's it, what they should do. So here's what we're gonna do. So here's the thought and the heart behind all this, and we're gonna get into the first question. The question is then, what if we could give you some tools? What if we could give you five questions ahead of time? What if you had something in your arsenal, something in your toolbox to go, when we're thinking about selling the house, thinking about moving a new job, marriage, whatever, moving in, moving out, what if we had five questions? If we asked these, if we did, did the homework, remember, we're gonna ask, we're gonna answer honestly, and then we're gonna act. What if we did this, that it would actually help us? And so we wanna add this to our arsenal because here's what's true for all of us, whether you realize it or not. Almost every time you make a decision, you're consciously or subconsciously asking yourself a question. You're asking yourself some questions. Some common questions that we probably ask that we don't even know we're asking is, will I enjoy this? Will it hurt me? Will it hurt someone else? For some of us, it's will anyone find out? Uh, what will I do if I get caught? We are regularly asking ourselves these questions, whether we know it or not. And our answer to these questions are what lead us to some of our decisions. So here's kind of our, one of our key umbrella scriptures. You're in your homework over the next five weeks is to memorize this scripture. The good news is it's really short. You might even be able to have it memorized by the end of the day. If you say it three or four times, it just kind of rolls and it's found in, um, you're never gonna believe it, but the book of wisdom, Proverbs uh, in the Old Testament, and this is what it is, it's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12. And this is, this is part of your homework for the series is this, this scripture right here. And this is where kind of our launch pad for this is. It says that the prudent, somebody say prudent. prudent. 
That word prudent just means, um, it's not a word we use a lot. It's, it means crafty, it means shrewd, it means um, sensible, wise. It says the prudent see danger and take refuge. So what that tells us is wise, crafty, good decision-making wise people, they're actually looking out ahead. They're not just so absorbed with what's right in front of me right now, but they're kind of looking ahead. They see danger and take refuge. But in contrast, it goes on, it says, but the simple, somebody say simple. I don't think you need a definition of what simple is. Uh, Unwise, foolish, stupid, but the simple, well, what do they do? They don't probably see danger and take refuge. What do they do? What does the Bible say? Oh, they keep going and they pay the penalty. The simple go, we didn't get caught by the cops the first time, paintballing, let's go back. (laughs) The simple go, I've been in 10 toxic relationships. The only common denominator is me. I don't need to work on me. Let's jump into another relationship. (laughs) They keep going and what happens? They suffer the consequences. So here it is, here's your homework, Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent see danger and seek refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. It kind of rolls off your tongue, right? You uh, you guys are good. You can memorize that by the end of the day, the end of the weekend. There you go. So this verse is gonna help us to look at and think about what's coming, not just what's right in front of us. Uh, Because just like our thoughts determine the direction of our life, our thoughts will lead to decisions. So I would say it to you this way. Our decisions determine the direction and the quality of our life. You with me still say, yeah. If you're online, say yes. Okay, so... Let's kick off our first question. And as we do, I have a really disturbing thought for you. Actually, I have a few of them that it's only gonna get worse. (laughs) Here's a really disturbing thought. Um, Here's the premise of this first question is actually this idea that the easiest person for you to deceive is the person in the mirror. The easiest person for you to lie to, the easiest person for you to deceive is the you in the mirror more than any other person. In fact, you ready for this? You have actually talked yourself into every bad decision you've ever made. What's worse is you are actually the mastermind behind most of it. So not only have you talked yourself into it, you thought it up. And in fact, you have probably done more to undermine your own success and future than any other person on the planet. Isn't this great news? Aren't you just so glad you came to church this weekend? Sure, there were other outside pressures. Sure, there were other outside voices. But behind every bad decision I have ever made is me. And here's why I know so much about you, because I know me. And everything I just said is I have been behind every bad decision I've made. I have done more to undermine my success than any other person on the planet. And so uh, it's, it's like this. Here's kind of the picture. It's like I have, and maybe you'll identify with this. It's like I have this average at best salesman kind of in, on my shoulder in my head. Um, He sounds an awful lot like me. He doesn't use a lot of logic. He has a lot of bad ideas, but for some reason I listen to him way more than I should. Like, can you identify with that? It's like, hey, you know what you should do? You should jump off a bridge that's 30 feet high into six feet of water. Did that once into a river. Really stupid. Like, yeah, what could go wrong, right? And so if that's true for me, it's true for us. If we had the salesman going, it gives you bad advice, but I listen to him all the time. That causes us to go, well, what's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with me? But more importantly, what can we do about it? And so here's the good news. Uh, we're, these five questions are gonna help us, but I'm gonna warn you, the five questions we're gonna give you, one each week, are actually in direct conflict with the sales associate you have in your brain. The, the, that person that sounds just like you with bad ideas and not much logic, everything we're gonna say is kind of counterintuitive to that salesperson because that salesperson that gives you bad advice wants you to do what's wants you to act fast, wants you to act now, only wants you to pay attention to right here and wants you to be impulsive. But God, 
wants you to focus on the ultimate more than the immediate. And if you wanna have a better outcome, then you have to make better decisions and we gotta start with better questions. So what's the first question? You guys ready for the first question? You're like, come on, let's give it to us. Okay, so the first question, and again, we're gonna ask all of these. So you gotta come all five weeks. You gotta watch all five weeks. The first question, and this is, and they have to be in this order because we gotta start here. The first question is called the integrity question. And so here's the first question. Am I being honest with myself? And we added one really important, in fact, Andy did it in his book and it's brilliant. One really important word, right? Because this word really kind of changes everything. Like, am I being honest with myself? Really? Like, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you really doing? Oh, I'm terrible. Everything's a nightmare, right? Like, it's like, we need that word to go permission to go beyond face value, the yeah, 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 what I thought of to like, Am I being honest with myself? Eh, I think so. Really? Actually, probably not, right? Like we need something to pause that really, really word. And so this is our first, the integrity question. Easiest person to deceive is ourselves. Am I being honest with myself really? Because here's what I'll tell you, and it's true for you, true for me. You can't lead yourself well if you're deceiving yourself. You can't, self-deception is real and it will hinder your ability to lead yourself. And here's what's true for almost all of us. You can convince yourself of almost anything. Isn't that fascinating? Like, it's just crazy. You could tell yourself to do stuff that you could never convince anybody else to do. Think about it. It's crazy. And here's what anybody who's ever been through recovery would tell you is that rigorous honesty is the first step or the first rule of recovery. It doesn't matter. NAAA, it doesn't matter. Like they'll tell you rigorous honesty. It starts with being really, really brutally honest with myself is where it starts. And so here's what I wanna know. And here's what I wanna tell you. And this is so important. And this will help us understand that we are not of this world because here's the commitment we have to make to ourselves if we're gonna do this is I'm gonna tell myself the truth even if it makes me feel bad about myself. Oh, how dare you? Don't you know it's 2022 in the United States of America? The worst thing ever is for me to feel bad about myself. Let me help some of you with a truth bomb. There are way worse things than you feeling bad about yourself. There are way worse things in life than you feeling bad about yourself. You like, for example, you doing whatever you want and then having to suffer the consequences because of it. You feeling bad about yourself is not always a negative or terrible thing. Uh, because you will never get to where you need to go until you acknowledge where you actually are. See, we're, we, we live it. I know it's counterintuitive counterculture. Nobody said amen. You should have. It was really good, but nobody said amen when I said that we're gonna that there's worse things than feeling bad about ourselves. We've so protected this false sense of self-esteem that's not even biblical at the expense of what's really true. And we're lying and deceiving ourselves and we continue to make really bad decisions and have lots and lots of regrets. So um, everything I've said, I think up to this point, hopefully it's very simple, very obvious, but it's definitely not easy. And so here's, here's the, the, the kind of the idea for us. And the exciting part is for us to write a better story or to literally decide ourselves into a better future. We're gonna have to ask ourselves this question. We're gonna have to be really honest about why do I make the decisions I do? For example, why am I avoiding that person? Really? Why do I keep posting those things? Really? Why do I keep making excuses? Really? Why did I say yes to that? Why did I really say yes? Why did I move in? Really? Why did I decide to wear that? Really? Why did I buy that? Really? Why won't I get help? 
really? Why won't I really get help? It's kind of brutal, huh? But it's so important because if we're going to have fewer regrets, we have to make better decisions and we have to ask these types of questions. And here's what's true for you and here's what's true for me. And I think this is so funny and fascinating. You apparently aren't gonna think it's funny because we're on different levels this weekend so far. Maybe it's the COVID. But you may be terrible at selling anything to anybody else. But when it comes to selling yourself on a bad idea, you are amazing. I'm telling you, you could convince people to do stuff. You could convince yourself to do terrible things that you could never convince another person on the planet. And here's where, and how many times when we do that, do we end up having some sort of thought that goes something like this? What was I? Oh, you're with me still. What was I thinking? What, what in the world was going through my head, right? I, I, <laughs> my dad is amazing, not always perfect, but he would ask this question to us a lot. And then he would answer it for us as we were you know, teenagers. Like, what were you thinking? Well, clearly you weren't. You know what I mean? Like that, that, I, that still rings true in my head a lot. And so, um, but here's, let me give you a, a really practical place to start with this. Am I being honest with myself? When you start to sell yourself on something, here's where some of you, this is gonna help you. As soon as you start to sell yourself on anything, just hit pause. I'm not saying run, I'm just saying pump the brakes. If you, because when you start selling yourself, what are we really talking about? Justifying, right? And another word for justify would be just a lie. We're trying to find some sort of version of truth or some narrative where we could at some point make this make sense to ourselves or somebody else. And as soon as you start selling yourself, just hit pause. Here's why. You rarely have, you may have not ever thought of this. You rarely have to convince yourself of a good idea. Think about it. You rarely have to sell yourself on a good idea. I should be more loving to my husband. You, that's not something you're like, well, I should really pray about that. <laughs> we should be more generous with our finances. We should save long-term and not spend so much in the here and now. That's not something we're like, well, I don't know about that. Like, think about it. Really wise decisions, really good ideas. You actually don't have to sell yourself on. Like, how bad could it be? How much could it hurt? How far can I go? Those are the things we have to sell ourselves. So just hitting pause is gonna help us, and here's why. Uh, we talked about this in our Mind Game series. There's uh, more I can say about this because we all have what's called cognitive bias, right? If you remember, we talked about cognitive bias is just this idea that once I've uh, decided something or I've adopted opinion, we just look for any fact, any narrative, any person or any support or any information that affirms what we've adopted. And we also typically reject and push against anything that disagrees or disputes the narrative or the opinion we've made. And so rather than be open to better questions that help us make better decisions, we just want information that affirms what I've already decided. And anybody who's against me, well, I can just cancel you and you can just go to you nowhere. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how, well, that's what cognitive bias is. But think about it. Think about for some of you, your last bad relationship. Hopefully you had somebody in your life that tried to say, hey, before you do this, like, I want you to think about this. Somebody who was like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. But if it didn't fit your narrative, you had your, you'd already made your decision. It disrupted what your decision was. You're like, ah, oh, they don't care about me. They don't want me to be happy. Well, actually, they probably do. Think about your last bad purchase. Maybe somewhere there was something or someone was like, hey, before you go buy that, that you can't afford, like maybe think about it. You're like, oh, fun hater. <laughs> right? It's almost like we can't hear the truth from anybody because it doesn't support the thing I've decided or the opinion that I have adopted. And so why do we do that? And what do we do about it? Um, there's a really cool story as we kind of start um, to, to, to dive into this in the Bible about 
a man who witnessed this on many, many different levels throughout many different uh, time periods. Um, there was a guy in the Old Testament who lived about 2,600 years ago, about 600 years before Jesus. His job was to be a court official, court advisor, like wise counsel to the kings of Judah. For those of you who don't know, the, the, the nation of Israel is split to the Northern Kingdom, Southern. Northern was Israel, Southern was Judah. So these were good, this was like God's country. Um, and Judah had kings that were supposed to follow the way of God, but the story of the Old Testament is mostly they didn't. Um, but they had these court officials and um, this court official was a wise counsel. He was also a prophet. His name was Jeremiah. And he wrote the book in the Old Testament called Jeremiah. Some of you, I'm about to help you understand why he was so depressed. Because Je Jeremiah went through a cycle of kings. His job was to, uh, uh, to, to advise kings. And the first king he advised was a king named Jeho Jehoiakim. And here's basically what happened with Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, um, Israel was a small nation. They were paying tribute to Babylon for military protection because King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon was literally kind of on a rampage to take over the world. And they're like, hey, protect us. And they're like, you pay us? No problem. Well, in the third year of Jehoiakim's reign, he's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna stop paying Babylon. Let's pay Egypt instead. Well, that was a huge mistake because there had just been a battle between Babylon and Egypt. They hated each other. And Jeremiah was like, sir, this is a really bad idea. If we do this, they're gonna come conquer us. Nebuchadnezzar's not gonna take this lightly. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you know, but he has a collection of kings to show his power and his strength. Like, yeah, whatever. But, but Jehoiakim didn't wanna listen to Jeremiah. He didn't wanna follow God. Um, and he was far from living from that way. And so he did exactly what Jeremiah said not to do. And as history would have it, um, Nebuchadnezzar sent his army, they besieged Jerusalem. And what Nebuchadnezzar's thing was, he would bring the king into his city of Babylon, kill his family, blind the king and chain him and shackle him to other kings. And when he would have dignitaries in, he would parade these kings around as entertainment to show his power and his might. So now Jehoiakim is no longer re reigning in Judah. His son is Jehoiakim because Jehoiakim is blind and shackled to other kings in Nebuchadnezzar's prayed to king. Well, Jehoiakim did the exact same thing his dad did. Does Jehoiakim was 18. He was like, I know what I'm doing. I have a lot of power. I don't need to listen to you, Mr. Godly man, wise court official. I'm gonna do what I want. And he's like, dude, I'm telling you what's gonna happen. Same exact thing happened. Nebuchadnezzar comes, besieges it, takes it, ransacks it, takes Jehoiakim into his parade of kings, chains him up next to his dad, blinds him in the parade of kings. And then that leads to the third king. Now, Jeremiah is like, man, these guys are foolish. Then enter King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah did the exact same thing. Didn't wanna to listen to God, didn't wanna listen to Jeremiah. And he ends up actually being the last king of Israel for over 2000 years. Until 1948, it was the last time Israel was ever a nation because it was at that moment when you read in Daniel and Ezekiel, when Babylon besieged Jerusalem and Israel and Israel never recovered for almost 2000 years or 2,500 years. Zedekiah, same thing. Zedekiah has his family killed. He's in the parade of kings. And at this point, Nebuchadnezzar just takes over Jerusalem, besieges the area. And here, uh, and in fact, this was said of Zedekiah, but it could have been said of all three of these. And it captures so perfectly what, what they went through. In 2 Chronicles chapter 36, it says, uh, he, meaning Zedekiah, but it's true of all three of them, did evil in the sight of the Lord, didn't listen to God, didn't follow God, and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke the word of the Lord. So a good place to start with really bad decisions is, is, is ignoring wise, godly counsel. And it says this of all of these kings. And so Jeremiah has seen this with Jehoiakim. He's seen it with his son Jehoiakim. He's seen it with Zedekiah. And he's like, man, and Jeremiah in his book, he makes this observation that was true 2,600 years ago. And I believe it's true even now to this day. And this was his observation after all witnessing all this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. He says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. He says, this is what I've observed about power and humanity. The most deceitful thing is our heart. 
The heart is deceitful above all things. Now, again, I know there's a popular narrative in our feel-good culture that says, I'm a really good person. I'm a really good person. Again, I go based on what? Are we talking Mother Teresa or Hitler here? Like, what's the scale? (laughs) The truth is none of us are all that great of people. We all have flaws. We all make mistakes. And Jeremiah, who witnessed this on an upfront level, says, our heart is deceitful above all things. He actually goes on even further and he says, and is beyond cure. Jeremiah says, our hearts, your heart, my heart are deceitful and beyond cure. Now that's not a statement of hopelessness. What he means by beyond cure is not, there's not just one magic prayer you pray or one pill you take and now it's good. It means we have to regularly lay our hearts before the Lord and let him speak to us. In fact, if you go read verse 10, it's basically what he says. The only hope we have is to continue to bring our heart before the Lord and let him speak the truth to us, even in light of what we may think is true or what we want to do. And here's what's interesting is that he uses the word deceit because if he would have said dishonest, dishonesty is kind of easy to spot, right? Like, you know, you're lying. But deceit is more difficult to detect, isn't it? Deceit is really hard to detect because it's like, uh, it's usually laced in the salesman language that kind of sounds good. And the thing that your heart, your brain is gonna do, when your heart is deceitful, it knows that you know the difference between a want and a need. And so here's the first thing that's gonna happen when you're trying to make a decision. Your heart, your deceitful heart is gonna try to tell your brain to upgrade from want to need because it's hard to justify a want, but it's pretty easy to justify a need. And so I need more of this. I need this drug. I need another relationship. I need more of this. I need, if you can, and your brain knows if you can tell your heart, it's already deceived. And so that's where we get our first integrity question. Am I being honest with myself, really? We live in a time and an age and a culture where I don't know that we really value wisdom all that much. And I don't know that we value the good, hard questions, but the good, hard questions still lead to the best decisions, still lead to fewer regrets and are gonna help you be who God made you to be. And so here's our takeaway as we kind of wrap this up and go, what's our marching orders? This week before you make a big decision or a decision, I want you just to hit pause and have a heart to heart with yourself. Maybe even in the mirror out loud, like look at yourself and talk to yourself and ask yourself one question. Am I being honest with myself, really? Because here's what I would say. You owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself. Your future self will thank you for being honest with yourself here. And now we don't have the privilege like we did on the video. Future self is like, urch, pump the brakes. And I'll just tell you, most people aren't honest with themselves. Don't be most people. If you will start here, God will shed light and you will start to make better decisions and you will decide yourself and write a better story for your life. And so the commitment you can make to yourself, the, 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 the takeaway you can have is just this idea I introduced a few minutes ago. I will not lie to myself, even if it makes me feel bad about myself. Well, but if I am honest, it's gonna make me feel bad and guilty. Well, feeling bad and guilty is temporary, but it helps us address the truth and the reality. And so a question that we could ask ourselves as we're trying to find out, are we being honest is, am I telling myself the truth or am I actually selling myself a future regret? So as we close, I I think this has been pretty practical, but let me give some of you just some quick questions to maybe help kickstart. What are some of the questions that we should look in the mirror and ask? Uh, And and maybe this doesn't apply to everybody, but maybe for some of you, this will help you. And so let me just give you a few. Um, Why do I continue to go out with him? Really? Why do I continue to go out with her? Really, really. Why did I file for divorce? Really, 
Why did I take this job? Really? Why am I thinking about quitting my job? Really? What's the reason you don't call your mom, your kids, your dad? Really? Why won't you tell him or why won't you tell her the truth about what's going on in your life? Really? And let me encourage you and inspire you with this. This level of honesty can, be, can kind of be brutal and it can be a little bit terrifying, but let me tell you this. It can also be very clarifying and very, very liberating. Because when you're dealing with the truth, even within yourself, then it starts to lead to freedom. Jeremiah tells us this doesn't come naturally, but then again, most things that are good for us don't, do they? So the warning is this. Trouble for us when we walk out these doors or when we go wherever we're at online is just one bad decision away. But like my parents, you could also be one decision away from impacting not just your life, but generation after generation after generation and people that God's given you influence with. Am I being honest with myself, really? You could be one decision away from writing a better chapter and scripting a better story for yourself because you write the story of your life one decision at a time. Or as um, Proverbs says once again, the prudent, they see danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So our commitment to ourselves is that I will tell myself the truth this week, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself, because there are worse things for me than Corey feeling bad about himself for a few minutes, like making a terrible decision and having to eat the fruit of that decision. Maybe those decisions will lead to better, uh, fewer regrets and a better outcome. So as I close, I memorize Proverbs 27. And let's ask ourselves this question this week. And if you haven't even gotten in a group, there's still open groups, get in a group, get the book. But am I being honest with myself? Really, I promise if you start to answer these questions, you're gonna start to see God move and you're gonna see your life move in the direction that he wants it to go. And I'll say this as we close, I'm not gonna take a long time, but you might be here, you might be watching and your story is like my parents. You've been trying to live life your way. No one's gonna tell you what to do. You make yourself happy but you know the one decision you need to make is that you need to surrender and submit your life to Jesus. The Bible says that if you just say, Jesus, come into my life, I acknowledge you, I need you, I surrender, I submit to you, that he will make you like new. He will transform your heart. You will get a new spirit. He will start to transform you. And you can do that as simple as as I pray, just saying, God, I wanna give you my life. If that's you, I would love for you to text Cape Yes to 94,000 and we just wanna walk with you through this journey. But I, I can't help but think there's some people that are here watching or listening that your story is like my mom and dad that the best decision you could make is what are you gonna do with Jesus? And that one decision will lead to a lot of other great decisions. For the rest of us, we're gonna try to bug ourselves with this question this week. Am I being honest with myself, really? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody who is needing to start a relationship with you, not believe in you, not have a concept of you, but saying yes to submitting and surrendering our life to you. We do not wanna be like the kings of old of Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim and Zedekiah that use our influence and our power because we know better, but God, we want to follow you, follow your ways because you always know and have and want what's best for us. So God, if there's anybody here who is, is, is needing that, God, I pray that right now they would know they can just say in their heart, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my mistakes, and that you will make them new. And for the rest of us, God, give us the courage to be rigorously honest with ourselves as we ask ourselves good questions that will hopefully lead to better decisions, that will lead to fewer regrets. And we will start this week with 
am I being honest with myself, really? God, help us to tell ourselves the truth, even if it makes us feel bad about ourselves. Give us the strength and the courage to do this by the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to love other people like you love them as we go through our week. In Jesus' name, amen.